blessed people, we saw when the Christian believer, when the people who are born again come to church, they are ministered to and nourished by the Lord, and then they go. They go out there to the workplace, to the schools, to the marketplace, to the places where they interact with the world, the living world today. And in the past two days, we have seen that they undergo a lot of insults, call it external insults. Uh, they go through external assaults by the people, the environment, you know, they are in. And that's why it was very important that uh, the Lord began to to this particular need, the need to shepherd the present-day believer at the marketplace in the outside world so that when they are out there, they can still sustain their holy Christian salvation. And so this was this very important point of discussion and conversation because we mentioned clearly from the onset on day one, uh, the Christian believer has to have certain boundaries. There are specific set boundaries set by the Lord, set by the Bible, Scripture, on Christian worship and Christian lifestyle. And that is why you hear many a time the Bible talks about walking on the narrow way, and it says that walking on the narrow way and that narrow road, that narrow road is the one that leads to the narrow gate, and then the narrow gate leads to eternal life. And then it says broad, wide, and large, full of pomp and color, is the other way is the way that leads to the larger gate and leads to death, to hell, eternal death, eternal hell, total separation from the Lord, eternal separation from the Lord. So that is the reason the Bible talks about those two roads, two ways, two paths, and it is very clear from that oracle, Bible that governs our Christian life today, that the Lord was bringing to our attention, He was summoning our attention, the fact that Christian life out here has to be constricted. We are constrained by our profession, confession, that when we walk the Christian life, when we walk the Christian lifestyle, they are asked boundaries, they are borders. That's why I'm saying it's constricted, it's restrained. And you see a complete reflection in the book of Isaiah chapter 35, verses 8, verse 9. And in verse 8 and 9, you talk about the highway of holiness. It says, then there will be a way, and the highway shall be there, and it shall be known as the way of holiness. And then he goes on to say, it will be only, exclusive in other words, 
those that work in that way, then it's with a capital W. In that way, meaning that lifestyle, that type of way of living. And again, then it says, in that way, however, for those who shall choose that way, meaning that lifestyle, it says, there will be no ferocious or ravenous beast on that way. And so you can see that in that too, they are separated. And so this is essentially what we were discussing in a nutshell on day one. And uh, I was telling the Christian believer because I wanted to catch them at the last time. So that is the reason I chose to minister at the lunch time, because I said, we need to follow them. We need to follow them out there in the marketplace. We minister to them on Sunday, but then we need to follow and shepherd them out there where the challenges are. That was day one. Conversation came out very clearly that there are many challenges the Christian believer faces out there that came out very clearly without any ambiguity. That was on common consensus that out there in the marketplace, in the workplace, Mama Kiosk, you know, the young man who is tarmacking, looking for a job for two years, he's also going through these challenges. The young lady that has just graduated from university and she has an interview at 2 p.m., she also needed to be ministered to at that lifetime. Hmm? Those who were in hospital that were waiting for their MRI, they have been told, come back, tattoo, ultrasound, waiting for x-rays, out at two. They needed to be ministered there because that is the moment now when if you don't minister to them, then the enemy has a chance to get inroads to their life and to erode and to water down their salvation. So that is how it all began on uh, the day before yesterday. And it was a powerful conversation. We also went deep. We talked about the graduate students, the students. Because the PhD degree, many times is said to a personal degree. You have to have a wonderful relationship with your supervisor to be able to get the approval of your what they work with your supervisor to read pieces, to read your proposals, to search for your grants, and all these things, and the master's program. And we talked about all these things and the challenges that they pose to the believers, to the present day Christian, to the salvation of Jesus that you behold. So on day one, we addressed that very well. And we said, the lady. We talked about you, lady. We talked about the elect. You, lady, the elect. The elect lady. With finding a job is difficult. We know that now you've landed that job in that law firm, or you as a secretary, clerk, as a teller in that bank. And in that institution, there are so many challenges and tend to be sexual immorality today. You can pretty much plot it out now. And we said, the lady, you say, say the elect lady, you know, you out there in the marketplace, it is the poorest part of your world. That is what we address. Hmm? Talked about the gentleman. Eh? What part of your world is poorest 
for the enemy to get his way into the worship place, hearts. That is the salvation you behold. And so day one was very comprehensive that way, and especially day one, I tailored it. I designed it to address my daughters, the elect lady. Hmm? And it was a conversation that spilled up into the evening, continued to ask, how do you maneuver your hard work, your precious Christian salvation? What place? How do you maneuver it there? Must be followed. We must follow you. The shepherds must follow you and shepherd you there too. Because probably there's so much pressure. It is raining. And one of your workmen says, Let me give you a ride in my car because it's raining. And that means the poorest part of the wall of your Christian salvation. So we talked about the porosity, the porosity of Christian salvation today. And we said maybe it's the high shoes, the stilettes you wear that don't present you well, that present you immoral, that create lust. Then that becomes the poor, the broken part of the of your Christian salvation. And we spoke with tremendous evidence the day when we compared it. We compared all these challenges Christian believer encounters in the marketplace, in the workplace. We compared that with when the wall of Jerusalem was instructed by the Lord, told the Israelites, and he said, uh, you are my peace. You are the beholder of the house of worship of the Lord on Mount Moriah. Tell them, please construct forth a strong wall, strong wall, a strong wall to secure the place of worship in Jerusalem. And the Lord said that their armor routing the wind, even though it was tailored, if it was tailored to the ladies, that conversation is absolutely unto all Christian believers. And that's where we began from. And we saw very clearly that when there was porosity, when there was a poor, when there was a broken heart, that showed up on the wall of Jerusalem. Then the final objective was to bring it down. Was to bring down the wall, to run it over by this. And there was an attack. And the house of the Lord was taken over by the enemy. And that's why on that first conversation that we had the day before yesterday, we said, careful now, if you have a porous place, in your Christian salvation. Because I raised it to you that when a thief's car, a robber, a thug, whoever it is, it comes to steal, they always look around the wall and find a porous place through which to end, surprise you and steal and go. Then I also said that whenever the thieves come back, they always go back to that same spot, is that broken part of the wall still available? Is it still broken? That is how always operate. Everybody knows that. So the conversation on day one was based on the wall of Christian salvation. 
how do you sustain the integrity of the wall of your Christian salvation? And I say it, you make it clear to them, are born again. Wewe umeokoka. Yameni mimi nimeokoka. The first thing they get to know at your workplace, you say, beloved people, I have come to your new company, but the first thing I want you to know, for me, I born again. I love Jesus. I am born again. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I love holiness and righteousness right from day one. And it's a very powerful conversation because it boils down on the wall. What is the broken part of the wall of your Christian salvation? That was the question on the day. And then we moved on to now talk about the spiritual foundation of your Christian salvation. And many issues came up. One of the main things that came up is that today when people receive the Lord, there is little attention that is given to them regarding the helping of them or the of them to launch their salvation, their hard-won salvation from Calvary by the blood of the cross. There is little attention that is paid on to helping them to launch it away on the foundation of the rock. And we went through a lot of stuff yesterday on the gravity, the importance. In fact, we reached a point where we saw that the current apostasy in the church, the apostasy in the church today is actually derived from day one people received the Lord and they were not helped. They were helped. They were not helped to lose their Christian salvation on the foundation, on the foundation of the rock. And again, it's something that came at lunch hour. Why? Because I wanted to catch people because that is where things happen. They come on Sunday, they smart up, they clean up, they dress well, but at work, there may be another thing. And today it's more like a schizophrenic kind of salvation where there are multiple characters. On Sunday they are this. At work they are this. So I say I wanted to follow them there at the workplace. Help them. We saw very clearly yesterday that the foundation on which the Christian believer launches their salvation was everything in their lives and eternity. We saw that that would also determine their eternity, whether they would see eternity or not. And so what came out very clear today is that many times when believers receive Christ, new believers, people from the world come and receive Christ, and then after receiving the Lord, they are met in church, and at that place when they are met, they are told about the message the doctrine, the vision, the mission, and all these things. And then immediately, sometimes they're invited into service right away. So that was discussed yesterday. We saw the importance of making sure that the foundation is right. Because I said yesterday that many times you'll find that somebody is in church, a long time he's been in church, he's born again in church, is in church, and then he rises up the ranks in church, they identify a gift God has put in him, they help him, 
or he starts to serve, ushering, teaching the word, and so forth. Now, yesterday we saw the importance of foundation that the Christian believer needs to launch their mission on the right foundation, the right foundation. And so today I would like to advance the conversation on laying the right foundation, the spiritual foundation. And in the conversation, as I was finishing that conversation yesterday, we saw very clearly that the importance of laying the right foundation for your salvation, in other words, of taking your salvation, putting it on the right foundation of the rock. We saw it yesterday as I finished, and I point with finishing yesterday. I said that will determine how successful your relationship with Jehovah will be. And that was a very powerful thing to say. The success, how success comes when you launch when you now begin to relate with Jehovah, you are born again, and the purpose you receive the Lord is that you may have a relationship with the Lord. And he says, depending on where you launched your Christian salvation, how you were helped when you walked in, he says, that will go a long way in determining how you relate with Jehovah, you are God. Jehovah, the God of Israel. And we saw very clearly yesterday that it is so key that during the laying of the foundation of the salvation of a believer, it's important to bring to them the foundation first. So to involve them in service and all this and doing this and looking for the calling. And sometimes when they come, they may come as an engineer, a lawyer. You know, sometimes they come educated people. Then you are tempted to think, ah, they're, they're of understanding. Let them begin to serve right away. Because sometimes, you know, you feel they can help in teaching this, teaching the professional fellowship, and all this. But these are initiation. So the first teaching should always be, what does it mean that you are now a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus? Those are babies. Don't look at them from the way the world looks at them. Look at as if they have come and received the Lord, and they are now newborn again. They are new, they are new spiritual babies. And they need to be walked through all the foundation laying. Why? Because that will go a long way in determining how far they go in salvation. And the quality of their salvation, beloved. So we saw that the foundation of the rock and Jesus in the scripture we read, which was Luke chapter 6, verses 46 9, he spoke very clearly. He begins by saying, Why me, Lord, Lord, when you don't do the things I say? We say it that in the book of Luke chapter 6, the Lord comes out very, very clearly. And he says that there are those that call him Lord, Lord, and yet they don't he say they don't do it lord lord they say but they don't do his say he rebukes them and he turns around and he says he does not know them in other words who are those who are those that call him lord lord and yet they do not do what he says he was talking to the church because you can never call him lord 
except that you know him, except that you know he is Lord. Calling him Lord, we saw yesterday, when you call Jesus Lord, you call him Lord, that means you're saying, look, I am submitting to you. I am submit. you are Lord. I am coming back to you. You created me. I am coming back to you. Lord, Lord, they said. And then we saw in that Luke chapter 6, 47, 47, now it comes out clearly on the fact that those who are wise builders, those that will build a wise house of salvation, those that will build a wise salvation in their lives, they have to come to him first. And very briefly, I'll go through with you scriptures as to why they have to come to him first. Why? Because they have to tap from him eternal life, eternal life. So in finishing yesterday, we saw that the spiritual foundation of the rock facilitates the church, number one, like I said, to have a successful, dignified relationship with Jehovah. And we read yesterday from the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8, which talks very powerfully about how a successful Christian relationship, a successful Christian can relate with Jehovah successfully, beloved people. Successful is the word. And it's amazing because that explains the condition of the church today. Why is it that the current, the present-day church of Christ has not sustained a successful relationship with Jehovah? Why? Why hasn't she developed and built and cultivated a successful relationship with Jehovah? He said, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. A successful relationship with the Lord. We also saw that the other benefit of building your salvation on the foundation of the rock is that it will enable you, facilitate you to enjoy spiritual growth. Why? Because you are launched on the Lord. Why spiritual growth? Every believer must grow. Must grow. Because the Bible says he is coming for a mature church, not an infant church. A mature church, beloved people. And we saw from John chapter 17, verse 3, we read yesterday. And that facilitation of spiritual growth, we saw that it was related to another point which I gave when I said that when you launch your Christian salvation, the one that was won through the blood of Jesus at Calvary, when you launch it on the foundation of the cross, on the foundation of the rock, we saw yesterday that it will facilitate your understanding of God's truth in the Bible, beloved people. How awesome. How beneficial. Then you can enjoy spiritual growth. Because at that foundation of the rock, at that foundation of the rock, we saw that now your understanding is enhanced. Revelation comes to you. The Lord unveils revelation to his word and his instruction and his command and ordinances, beloved people. How mighty. We also saw that launching your Christian salvation on the rock 
launching it on the rock that is our Lord Jesus Christ, enables you to be able now to engage in the rightful way with the rest of the body of Christ in church, home fellowships, Bible fellowships, Bible study groups, or just any relationship, even at work as Christians. Why? Because then you will have holy relationships. We also saw that the added advantage of launching your spiritual Christianity, your spiritual salvation on the spiritual foundation that is the rock, is that it will enable you, it will enhance you, and facilitate you now to be able to apply the biblical truths into your own life now, to live a Christian lifestyle eventually. In other words, it will now help you to live a Christian lifestyle, beloved people. A Christian lifestyle. Hey, how beautiful it is to launch your salvation on the foundation that is Christ Jesus, the foundation of God. And I say it very clearly that that foundational teaching, that laying of the foundation that needs to take place when the Christian, the young Christian believer, the young, the person has just received the Lord, has become a new creation. Those teachings must include the following. Knowing who God is, number one. Number two, knowing the nature of God. And this dispensation is so blessed because he has sent his messenger here. So really, 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 you can see the nature of God being displayed powerfully across the globe. Knowing who God is. Knowing the nature of God. Knowing the position of God on sin. Knowing the position of God on righteousness. Knowing the position of God on holiness. Knowing that God judges sin. He judged it during the days of Noah. He will judge it again now. Knowing that he does not stand sin, he is totally separated from sin. And for him to engage with us, he had to bring Christ Jesus to pay the ultimate price that we may be separated from sin, then now we can engage with him. Knowing God, that is the powerful segment that came out yesterday from the teaching about the laying of the right foundation of the rock for your Christian salvation. And you see many believers today, you look at them in Sydney, Australia, in Auckland, New Zealand, Wellington, New Zealand, in Gisborne, New Zealand, all the way down to Pisco, Peru, Lima, Peru, down to El Salvador, all over the world, in Frankfurt, London, Paris, you realize that these Christians have not even understood who God is. That's why they can do what they are doing and think they can get away with it. So the teachings on who God is, powerful teachings, important teachings, that it will determine the successful relationship you engage with Jehovah. It will determine how successful you engage with the body of Christ, your pastor and everybody else. It will determine your spiritual growth. It will determine how much you are able to understand God's truths. It will determine how much you are able to apply those God's truths in your life, out even in the marketplace, out in the world. So you can be the light of Christ, beloved people. And we saw yesterday from 1 Corinthians 
chapter 3, verse 11, when he said, you cannot lay any other foundation other than the one that has already been laid, that is Christ Jesus, the Messiah. So now we understand all this conversation about launching and laying our salvation on the foundation of the rock is about Christ Jesus and his holiness and his separation from sin. He's saying, if you lay it on another foundation, that is no foundation at all. So either you have laid your Christian salvation on a foundation or not. And there is only one God, he says, to be worshipped. There is only one way to the kingdom of God, he says. In other words, in other words, that is what he's saying. That there is only one way to the Father. That there is only one salvation. There is only one name unto men, given unto men by Jehovah. He's saying so much in First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. And he says here, verse 10, I am beginning verse 10, First Corinthians chapter 3. He says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus, the Messiah. I think at this place now, then I can tell you what the Lord spoke with me this night, why I am giving this message to you. This night, the Lord showed me a very, very mighty foundation. This past night, the Lord Jehovah visited with me in a very, very mighty way. Beloved people, this Saturday, 18th November night, the past night, the Lord Jehovah visited with me in a tremendous way, prompting me to talk about this foundation here. And in that visitation, beloved people, he showed me a huge foundation that had been laid. Incredible. A huge rock. And it was laid in layers, but it was one rock. But you could see the layers. You could see the separate layers. A big, big rock. Huge rock, very powerfully white, a white rock. And very huge, because I could see the layers that had been laid, and very solid, and very firm. And then I saw that it was totally purified, sanctified, and was very holy. That huge rock of foundation that the Lord showed me this past night. And I could see that it is laid, the layers, you could literally see the layers. This must have been the first layer. The other must have been the second layer, the third layer, the fourth layer. Tremendous foundation. And then the second part of that dream, he now showed me some people went there to sample it. So I saw that part also, which I'm going to address in this conversation. So that broke my heart very much. In fact, I was so shocked. I said, hey, how can they do that? And that foundation we know now is Christ Jesus, 
the Lord. And so yesterday we also saw that the purpose for which it is necessary to have the right foundation in your Christian life is because it will help you, facilitate you throughout your entire life to pursue God, to pursue the Lord. You live your entire life pursuing God. How awesome, how powerful to live pursuing God. And I said yesterday that the biggest privilege we ever got when we were brought unto the earth is that here unto the earth, the biggest privilege the church was ever availed by being brought and created, created on this earth here, other than all the other planets, is that at this place, they have the great privilege of pursuing God, of getting to pursue God. Why? In order to have a real relationship with God, they have that opportunity. The church has the wonderful opportunity, not available elsewhere, to now know God and develop, pursue God and know God. Once they know him, and then develop a real relationship with God, meaning a covenant with him. And also, to then now accomplish the purposes of God in their life. How powerful to live for God and achieve the purposes for which he created you. We saw that yesterday. Today, I would like to advance this conversation further by going back to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 19 to 21, 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 19 only, says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with the following inscription. It says, sealed with this inscription. And this is what the inscription says. It says, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord, who confesses the name of the Lord, must turn away from wickedness, must turn away from sin, must turn away from evil, beloved people. And it's very powerful to read this at this time when we are addressing the foundation, the firm, the solid foundation that the church ought to have been launched upon right now to avoid the scandals you see across the globe, the apostasy you see in the lives of the Christian believers, the shame and humiliation you see in the marketplace when Christians behave immoral and do things unexpected of this faith. And he goes on to say, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. And he says, some are for noble purposes, and the others for common use, ignoble purpose. And he says, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, from the ignoble, he will be an instrument. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for a noble purpose made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do the good works of God. So you see very clearly here that the Lord raises some very important elements here, issues. 
very significant issues are raised here by the Lord on the matter of the foundation. Before I go deep into the foundation, it is so powerful because already you can see he's saying that those that launch on this rightful foundation, this solid spiritual foundation that is Christ Jesus, he says, then they can be of use in the house. They can go and do exploits. So without the foundation at all, you are serving someone else, not the Lord. But what are the big things that come out, beloved people, from that statement? The first thing you see is that in the old days, in those days, in the areas around Israel, whenever a foundation was laid, whenever a foundation was laid, it was common tradition, common culture, custom at that place for there to be inscriptions on that foundation. Even walls, whenever a wall was built, that's why you see in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 14, that I'm going to read very shortly, you see that when the wall was laid for the city, there was an inscription on the wall. It was common practice in those days that when a foundation is laid, there had to be some writings engraved, engraved, inscribed on the foundation. And those writings, sometimes they brought a narrative onto that monument. They described, they brought understanding. Number one, they always talked about the origin of that foundation, the origin. Sometimes in so mentioning the origin, they mentioned dates. Sometimes they mention the personalities involved. But most importantly, they always mention the purpose, the origin and the purpose. And you see that this is what is being extrapolated into our situation right now. That nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, remains firm with the following writings engraved, with the following inscription engraved, so that we may know his purpose, origin and purpose. The Lord knows those who are his. And whoever confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from sin. So why is the church in sin when they are confessing the name of the Lord? And that's why in this laying of the foundation, in Luke chapter 6, 46 to 49, in verse 46, he begins by rebuking those who name the name of the Lord, those who confess the name of the Lord without doing the works. In other words, without turning away from sin. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He said, you call me Lord, Lord, when you do not do what I say. You do not do my saying. You come to try to belong to me and yet you are not. If you look at the church today, church world over, they are calling Lord, 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 but they do not do what Jesus said. He said, be holy, for I am holy. And it's so powerful to understand that all this wealth of wisdom is embedded on this foundation of God, with inscription engraved, Revealing the origin, revealing the originator, revealing the purpose. Revelation chapter 21, verse 14, beloved people. Revelation 21, 14. This is what he says here. 
And he says, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. In those days, it was common practice that when a foundation was laid, there had to be some inscription, some writing on it that gives a narrative that when people read, when people see, they know the originator. Who did it? For what purpose? And when did he do it? Now you see the extrapolation of that into our situation here today. But what does he mean? He says that God's solid foundation remains firm, meaning the problems you see in today's Christian salvation could be solved tonight. Tonight, tonight, tonight. Tonight we could solve it all tonight. It could end here tonight. The problems of all Christian salvation that you see, the so-called present-day church or modern-day church with the apostasy she beholds, all that could end today and they would go back to righteousness and there would be one of the biggest revival where all souls of the earth would be one and brought into heaven. And there is enough room. Why do I say so? Because he's saying, when you look at the present day life, Christian life, there is so much being swept away. There is so much wavering and being swept away by every slightest storm or wind. And yet he's saying here that God's solid foundation remains firm. If we launch on it, we will be firm. We'll be firm in our salvation, firm in our morality, firm in our integrity, firm in our holiness, firm in our righteousness, firm in our inheritance and pursuit of heaven. Hey. So number one, he says that that foundation is firm. If the church had launched on that foundation, she would have been firm in her Christian salvation. Number two, in other words, he's saying it is immovable. It cannot be moved by mortals. Immovable, beloved people. Number three, he says it is solid. Number four, permanent. Number five, it stands sure, sure. Number six, it is being supported by God Almighty himself, God's solid foundation. The other one, it cannot be overthrown by false preachers. Like you can see all over the church now, globally, the false preachers have overthrown the foundation on which they launched. And they followed the stream. They followed the winds. And they are now deep inside false teaching. But he's saying in Second Timothy chapter two, verse nineteen, that this particular one here, God's solid foundation, is being supported by God Almighty. And another point he says cannot be overthrown by false doctrine, false teachers, false prophets, false apostles cannot overthrow it. He's saying, number nine, that 
It is based on pure doctrine. So it is really sound and solid. Number 10, that foundation is the foundation that beholds all the spiritual blessings that were promised the church. So what's going on on the other side is a delusion. A delusion and illusion. Why? Because they end up in hell unless they repent and come back to the rock. Number 10, it is substantial. Number 11, it anchors eternal life. That is where eternal life is anchored. If you want to tap, if the church wants to stop becoming perishable, when you look at the church all over the world today, they are perishable, but they are perishable lives. But if the church wants to get into imperishability, immortality, incorruptibility, they have to launch on the rock, the rock that is God's solid foundation, the rock that is Christ the Messiah. Why is that going to solve? How is that going to solve, beloved people, as I advance with simple questions to you? How is that going to solve now the situation in the church? Because he says, eternity is embedded here. This is where eternity lives. Those who are going into eternity with God, this is where they have to tap. They have to launch. So how awesome that now this late in the day, we are saying that the church has now to relaunch on the right foundation before the door closes. How powerful. He says, God knows those who are his. That is powerful. When he's describing the foundation of God, God's firm and solid foundation, then he talks about those who are on the altar, those who have launched, they have engaged, they have anchored, they are riveted, they are cemented on this altar. Now he talks about them as his own, his own. In other words, now he's separating them from the others that say, Lord, 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 when they are not doing the doings of God, meaning they have no obedience, meaning they have disobedience and they have no obedience. Obedience does not matter to them. It is not important to them. Obedience. So he is talking about a distinguishing grace, a grace now that is according those that launch on the foundation of God, the foundation of rock, the foundation of righteousness, the foundation of holiness. That is what we are talking about. This foundation I'm talking about is the foundation of righteousness. It is the foundation of holiness, beloved people. The foundation of holiness. When I say the foundation of Christ Jesus the Lord, that there is no other foundation except the foundation that was already laid, the foundation that is Christ Jesus our Lord. I am essentially talking about the foundation of righteousness, that if the church of Christ of today could launch her Christian salvation, her practice of Christianity, on the foundation of righteousness, all the problems of the church, abortions, apostasy, 
morality, constitution, false doctrine would have ended tonight. Tonight, tonight. Tonight. Not tomorrow, tonight. I am talking about the foundation of eternity, the foundation of holiness. If the church would launch, if the, the, the present-day Christian or believer could launch their salvation tonight, today, on righteousness and holiness, everything about apostasy would be done. Shame to the devil. It would be shame to the devil now. He's saying, those who are his, their faith is sealed. Look at that now. Their faith does not waver the way you look at the present-day church. Their faith is sealed. Number two, their faith is secured. The grace they enjoy, like I said, is distinguishing grace of God in their lives. It distinguishes them from the world, from the other church, from the Lord, Lord church, the other Lord, Lord church. They are God's elect. Number three, maybe number five, I don't know. He says, God knows those who are his, meaning the Lord has a foreknowledge of them. He is aware of them. He knows them by name. He owns them. He takes accountability over them. God knows them. The other, he says, you call me Lord, as very shortly you'll see. Lord, Lord, but to tell you the truth, I do not know you. But these ones, he knows them. I am talking about the gravity and the significance of launching your Christian salvation on the foundation of the rock, which the Lord showed me this night. The holiest foundation of Jehovah, the foundation that is Christ Jesus. Either you launch on that or you have no foundation. Umejenga nyumba bila msingi. Usipojenga wako Katika msingi ya bwana, msingi ya utakatifu, msingi ya uhaki, utakuwa umefanya kazi bure. Utakuwa umejenga nyumba bila msingi. Manake, lazima edoboromoka. It must come down because it has no foundation. There is only one foundation. He says, those that launch there, their faith is sealed. Their faith is secured. They are God's elect. He knows them. He has a foreknowledge of them. They abide in holiness. They abide in righteousness. They are faithful to the Lord. They enjoy a special love from God. He has a special love unto them, for them. He has promised them eternity and that promise has become an irrevocable promise. He cannot revoke it. He has sealed it with an inscription. He says, they are sealed. They are sealed for eternity by the Holy Spirit. Why, why, why is it that they are sealed? Look at this now. Because he says, those who call him Lord, those who confess his name, those who name his name, he says the reason he loves them is because of the following. Number one, they have departed from sin. They have departed from wickedness. 
They have departed from evil. Number four, they have departed from doctrinal errors, from false doctrine, doctrinal mistakes. They are in the pure doctrine of purity of the Lord. They have departed from doctrinal iniquity. They have departed from false apostles. They have departed from false prophets. They have departed from ungodliness. They have also departed from subversion against God. Firm and established. And they are on the foundation. They are riveted. They are cemented on the foundation of God that is the rock. And as they are on that foundation, when you look at the inscription on the foundation engraved, it says, nevertheless, God's solid foundation remains firm, stands firm, stands solid. And the Lord knows those who are his. And those who name the name of the Lord, they come from sin. So that foundation I'm talking about, that the church of this age should have launched upon is called repentance. The foundation of repentance is what the Lord is trumpeting here today. After speaking with me at night in a very tremendous, awesome, but also very terrible dream to say, because of what happened, how some people tried to trample on it. And there's another part of the dream I did share, how I chased them away. And he's saying, the wise builder, the wise builder. So my question to you out there in Australia, Canberra, all the way to Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, Australia, all the, everywhere Australia, all over Africa, Europe, the United States, everywhere, Edmond, Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma. My question to you is this. In the way you have built your Christian salvation, are you a wise builder? A wise builder. A wise builder. Because he says, they must come to him first. As we say in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and 47, 48, and 49. They must come to him. John chapter 5, verses 38 to 41 we read yesterday. John chapter 10, verses 10 to 10. Verse 10, chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, 10. We read it yesterday. The thief comes to destroy. For me, I come to give life and life eternal. So you understand why eternal life is embedded there. Romans chapter 6, beloved people. We read that also. The wisdom to understand that which is God's will. So he says, this foundation of the rock, this foundation is Jesus. This foundation is righteousness. This foundation is holiness. This foundation is obedience, repentance, and obedience. Because those who will hear my say, 
and go ahead and do my thing, they are like a wise builder. Why? Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, you could read that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beloved people. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 5, he says, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power, you have nothing to do with them. Lord, Lord, but you don't do my saying. In other words, Lord, Lord, but you don't obey me. You do not obey me. Lord, Lord, but you don't obey me. Having a form of godliness, a form of religion that lacks obedience unto the Lord, obedience unto the Holy Spirit. But mark this, let me just read it since I'm here, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days, people will be lovers, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, Treacherous, rash, conceited, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, you have nothing to do with them. John chapter 14, verse 15. Why did he say, Lord, Lord, and yet you don't do? You don't do my saying. You don't obey. So you don't obey my saying. Lord, Lord. John chapter 14, verse 15. Look at what he says. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So now you understand the position of the present day church and the position where the Lord expects the church where she ought to be, where he expects the church to have been. If you love me, you will obey what I command you. If you love me, in King James, this is what he says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. It amplified, it says, it says amplified here, if you really love me, you will keep, obey my commandment. Do you now understand why he says, Lord, Lord, but you don't obey? The dangers that the present day church has run into by saying, Lord, Lord, and failing to obey the holy instruction of God. That is in the Bible. 
The words of Jesus to turn away from sin. They say, Lord, Lord, on Sunday. But on the other days in the marketplace, the doctors in the hospitals, engineers in their offices, the bankers in the banks, everybody in their offices, wherever, wherever, university students, what? Lord, Lord, but the other days, they do other things. They do not obey him. If ye love me, keep ye my commandments. John chapter 14, verse 21. He says, Whoever has my command and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So does the present day church really love the Lord? Do you really love the Lord? That you hear the teachings and you confess, you name the name, you say, Lord, Lord, but you do not obey. You do not do. You don't obey the commandment. You don't do the teachings. You don't do the same. Do you really love the Lord? The present day church. They say, Lord, Lord. But when you meet them in the street, they are walking in nudity. You meet them in the street, they are corrupt. You meet them in the street, they are slanderous. You meet them in the street, they are immoral. They are, they are wicked. They are evil. Lord, Lord, but you don't do my saying. Do you really love me? Says the Lord. John 14, verse 23. And he says, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Could that be the reason why the Lord is not in the present-day church? Could this be the reason why the Lord is not in the present-day church? Except now for this ministry here, where he sent his mightiest prophet here, and he's doing tremendous works, and the glory and the cloud is tabernacled here. The cloud has settled here. But that is a whole different narrative. Why? Because you can see they are polishing. You can see how the Lord is polishing them now, sharpening them, waxing them now. And you can see that they are embedded on repentance. So you can tell that they are on this foundation then. But does the present-day church out there really love the Lord? Because he says, whoever loves him, verse 23, that is very powerful. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Could that be the reason why the Lord has not made his home in the present-day church? Because women are walking with immorality there, nudity there, the men are immoral there, everything being preached is falsehood. They have not obeyed the Lord. And yet they say, Lord, Lord, they name the name. They name the name, 
but they do not do what the name teaches, what the name commands. John chapter 15, verse 10. He says, John 15, verse 10, from verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 10 now. If you obey my command, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command, and remain in his love. How powerful that everything about relationship with God, everything about the love of God being exuded, being felt in our lives, is about obedience, obeying the teaching, obeying, doing the doing, doing the saying, doing the teaching. It's all about obedience. So this altar, this, this mighty foundation on which the church should have launched, on, it, on which your so-called modern-day church should have been launched, this foundation is called the foundation of obedience because Jesus is the personification of obedience to God the Father. There is no greater to the extent he laid down his life for the sake of the mission, for the sake of obedience. And then Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, that narrative has been read. That ordinance has been well taught in this church. That you cannot abuse the grace. So he's saying the present day Christian that is involved in not obeying the Lord, in not obeying the teachings of God, they are now swept away no wonder. Those who don't obey, they are well without. They are without the foundation. They are also on no foundation at all. The ones that they are swept away, false doctrine, false teaching, false apostles. We have not even had time. The store that we built at the ICM, at the International Children's Mission, where the radio station is, that big store is full. Right now, someone is trying to sponsor that we may build a bigger store for the crutches, the wheelchairs, the white tent for the blind, everything, the number corsets, everything there, the listening gadgets for the deaf, everything. You can see that God is here. And then the church out there should ask themselves, then why is God there and not here? Why the distinguishing grace? Why is there such a distinguishing grace? Why is it that for them, their faith is sealed, their faith is secured, they are God's elect, he has a foreknowledge of them, they abide in his holiness, they abide in his righteousness, they are faithful to him, he has a special love to them, he has a distinguishing grace for them, he has an irrevocable promise unto them, and he has sealed them with the Holy Spirit. The church out there in Denmark, the church in Germany, Netherlands, the church in UK, in Oxford there, you should be asking these questions today. What is it that they are doing that we are not doing? And it's very simple. Now we know the secret is obedience. They hear the teaching and they do the teaching. When he says be holy, 
they are holy. When he says repent, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. And it has the following inscription by the builder of that foundation. It says, the Lord knows those who are his. He has filled them. He has filled their faith. He knows those who are his. And whoever names the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness, must turn away from sin, must turn away from evil. That is the secret. Obedience to that word. Let us take a short break, beloved people. And on the other side of this teaching, I want to continue now to look at the church that has not built on this solid foundation. How wobbling they are. Because right now, everything that is shakable is being shaken. Is your salvation shakable today? Shalom. Shalom. 